0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 167. Thank you for tuning in, guys. You know what? This is the first male guest I've had on in over a month. The last one was Dot Brown, and that was one, two, three, four, five, six... S- six episodes ago. Um, <clears throat> That doesn't mean anything. We've just had some amazing uh, female guests, if you missed them... Uh, last week was Ashlyn Bay, which was Ashlyn B. Sorry, which was fantastic, uh, amazingly popular one. I had the special with Ben and Jerry's, which w- was about ice cream, but, but it was also with the IRC, so it was also about refugees. Um, I had, I had Sophie Hagen, a, a Laurie Penny, a Alice Lowe, who I adore, and then it was Doc Brown, and before that it was Laura Dockrill, and yeah, it's been, it's been loads of good people. How have you all been, guys? Um, uh, today's episode is fantastic it's with uh, Will Poulter who um, I've been a fan of of, for a while and we've been talking about him coming on for a while and never got round to it and then I got hit up by his PR people to have him on to talk about Detroit which is out now and is absolutely amazing and as you'll hear from the podcast I highly recommend people go and see it in the cinema I urge you to but more about that shortly and the problem with PR things is It can all be a bit rushed and a bit of a nightmare. So I kind of hit Will up privately and said, look, you've got, it's why this is the week after he was doing all the PR. I was like, look, you've got, you're going to have a hectic week having to talk to absolutely everyone about this film. So I'd rather, if you're up for it, we meet up next week and we have a more relaxed chat. So we did exactly that. Before we get into it, I should mention, obviously, speechdevelopmentrecords.com. The sponsor every 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 episode. Um, head over there. We've got some amazing stuff. We've got some good clothes. Good. I mean, do, do any of you do this when I mention it? If if you've heard this a million times and you've never gone to speech dot just as a little favour or just as a laugh, just go over there and have a look. Now it's free to look. Um, no purchase necessary. You can go and have a look. Oh, I should also mention. Oh Lord, if anyone, I've follows me on social media you'll know about this because I posted about it quite excitedly quite a bit but the reaction to my new um, a, a range of trainers has been absolutely insane thank you all so much for being as hyped as I was the fact is and I've not mentioned this much and I think they were originally meant to come out almost three months ago and there were some issues and hold ups so I've been insanely excited about them I'm so proud of how they look of how they're made of everything about them so the excitement and tension is built hugely for me, and I was worried that I was going to finally launch them, and my over excitement would uh, be countered by people being like, "Can you ch- chill out about these?" But thankfully, the excitement was met. I didn't. I honestly didn't have a single person complain about. I think I did about <laughs> about twelve, no, ten posts, nine posts, probably about it. On the day of launch. Because I was really excited. And I didn't have a single person complain. J- 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 so thank you all. For either supporting. Or for just biting your tongue. And not not moaning at me. Because of my clear excitement. So thank you for that. Um, is there anything else I need to, t- to tell you about. Ireland. I'm bringing the, the Distraction Pieces podcast. To Ireland for the first time. Ever. And it's the only live podcast. I'm going to be doing uh, this year. And possibly for a while. Or for the foreseeable future. So please come along to this. I urge you. It's Dublin Podcast Festival. I'm going to be at the Tivoli Theatre. September 21st. Uh, And then on the 23rd. I'm back in London. At the book club. For uh, We Are Lizards. Joined by previous Distraction Pieces podcast guest. Huey Morgan. So yeah. Come down and check that out. At the book club. September 23rd. Um. What else do I have to tell you about? Next week's podcast. I've not recorded it yet. It's going to be a last minute one. But next week's podcast guest should be Eddie Izzard. Which would be great. Um, And then... Man, I've got some good ones uh, lined up. I've got H- Hugo from the Maccabees. Or formerly of the Maccabees, obviously. Really good chat. Um I've chatted to a woman called S- Soad McHennett. Who is... The, the Washington Post um essentially terrorism journalist and has been out all over the world and sat down with members of ISIS and members of Al Qaeda and it's one of the most amazing conversations I've ever had. I can't hype it enough. She's an amazing woman who's got who's got a book out called I Was Told to Come Alone or They Told Me to Come Alone. It's mind-blowing, the things that she's done, the, the, the risk she's put herself at. She's a Muslim woman that's grown up in the West, so she's kind of uniquely positioned, or perfectly, not uniquely, but perfectly uh, p- positioned to go and have these discussions and 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 to look at it from both sides. It's it, I won't go into too much detail. I recorded it yesterday. It's not going to be out for a few weeks, but it blew my mind, honestly, and realising that there's a massive misunderstanding in the in the in the difference b- between trying to gain understanding and having s- sympathy—they're two different things. To sit down with these people is a positive move. It's not being sympathetic; it's it's trying to understand it all because it's a horrific situation. But anyway, that's that's in a few weeks. Got some good podcasts on their way. I'm hopefully n- next week. I'm going to be. Chatting to the legendary Helen Chamberlain, I love Helen of Soccer AM, who is no longer on Soccer AM, and I struggle to imagine Soccer AM without Helen. So I'm looking forward to talking to her about, I mean, a 22 year career on the same show, amazing. So so yeah, a lot of good guests to come is is what I'm telling you. But right now, I'm joined by Will Porter. And I hope you enjoy it. It's a really good chat. He's a, l- a lovely young man, insanely t- talented, and crazy that he's such a young lad. Uh, so there's a lot ahead for this kid. I'll I'll be, be back at the end. I'll mention again now. Please do, or you're going to listen to podcasts. You're going to want to go and see Detroit after you've you've listened to this. I'll see you next, and uh, not next week. What am I doing? This is the intro, not the outro. I'll see you at the end of the episode, alright? I'm a bit confused. Alright, so I'll, I'll, I'll see you in a bit. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction. This piece of fiction is the intro to distraction. This piece of And I sat down with Mike Skinner and spent 10 minutes setting up as I've just done. And he just laughed at me and said, you you know you can record these on an iPhone now, right? It's it's completely true. But I still, I lug my heavy gear around London. And uh, I like it as a little extra workout. Yeah, But the stairs up here took me by surprise. I, I literally, I was like, I run up and I got to the talk to say hello and everyone's like hey you're right I'm, like, Hi, I'm I'm here to talk to Will
1: dude that's me that's me twice a week it's um, hard well, enough carrying your phone
0: classic podcast I've started mid sentence to be all, all DIY um I'm, I'm chatting with uh, Will Poulter how are you I'm really well man thank you very much for having me on thanks uh, so much for taking the time in the middle of what is you know I'd imagine a hectic a week with uh, with Detroit coming out I mean this will be going out in a week and a half. Okay. But um, as we sit here now, it comes out on Friday.
1: It does. Doesn't it? So
0: how are you feeling on that?
1: That's crazy, man. Yeah, no, very timely. Um, you know, I feel really honoured to be a part of this thing. Yeah. Um, genuinely. And I think, you know, uh, as an actor, I think, and, and you know, this you feel lucky to be part of any project. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a blessing to, to work at all. But if you're fortunate enough to kind of be part of something that seems to do more than just entertain and... And, and also kind of make a comment on what is going on right now and, and hopefully be something that contributes to the, to the progress. And, and, yeah, I don't want to say anything as profound as like solving the issues that sure, it addresses, sure. but, but at the least engaging people in a conversation what? about, about race relations.
0: 100%. And we were discussing the other day how it's, it's, it's depressingly timely as, as mm. such. I'm sure when everyone was making it, obviously, you know, there's been, <sighs> A decline, or at least an increase in exposure of, um, of inju- injustices mm. to the, towards the black community in America in mm. recent years. Mm. But a, a, when you were filming it, I mean, I guess you couldn't have imagined it. It just seems to have ramped up and up and up. So it seems... That I think the beauty of it is it's speaking on the subject whilst not speaking directly on the very raw Mm -hmm. situation that's happening at the moment. It's telling a story from the past and showing what went wrong and, and what the issues were. So I feel for me, it feels like beautiful timing to, to have these conversations address this subject without being confrontational on, Look what you did on this date, or look what they did here. Do you yeah. know what I mean it's, it's looking at the past and going, look, this isn't cool, man. This isn't right. this isn't how right. it should be. I think you're right. I think it's not as
1: explicit as that, but you actually put it really well when we when we chatted the other day and we did yeah. that mobo screening, yeah, um, and mobo did a kind of collaboration with E One, and and you said that you know we must be sort of heartbroken to have one of the most well timed releases of all time, and yeah. and that is that is really it. We're kind of you know I think very uh Infused by the fact that this film seems to be making a, a a relevant and and much needed comment on a you know a heartbreaking issue that is you know not just uh, having an effect in in the states but you know on a global scale. Yeah, hundred um, percent. At the same time, I think we wish we'd never had to make this film in the first place because yeah. fifty years on, it should not be relevant in the slightest, and. Um, to see such strong parallels between what's explored in this film and and, and what's going on right now um, is scary, and, and and as you said, it's only grown in relevance yeah. since we made it, which is again the last thing that you'd expect. You expect. As time goes on, we evolve, and it sort of feels like we're experiencing a regression in many in many respects.
0: Completely. And uh, when I I I heard that this film was coming out, um, it excited me hugely because it's. It is odd that things like what happened in Detroit in, that is told here, but also the LA riots in mm. in 65 and in 92 and everything in between mm. are such important stories with such complexities. The, the In 92, the way it ended up escalating to the black community against the Asian community and it was all these kind of, and the police and all this, it was this, all this, this, backbiting and infighting and these stories haven't really been explored in 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 drama and in fiction now they're explored in documentaries an awful lot but mm. I think documentaries are an interesting one because it's only in recent years that Netflix has allowed people to realize that anyone can watch a documentary right. you don't have to be a highbrow person sitting at home going I'm going to watch a documentary so true, the man. The l- The lack of risk in Netflix, like you, you've you already paid for it, mm, it's just there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. allowed people with Making a Murderer and with numerous other things, with, with Keepers, with loads of others, just go, all right, I'll put this on, and it's opened that up, which is great, but I think there's something in dramas that still opens up even more to mm. people who wouldn't watch a documentary, to people who wouldn't go, I want to explore this subject. and right. And that's really important, and that's what I thought was great about They try it. And the thing that struck me throughout, really... I mean, there's kind of a midpoint that gets all the heavier. But at least in the first half, the sheer joy and happiness and lightheartedness of the film, the genuine humour in the film, was a beautiful surprise for me. It would have been easy for this film to go, here's the serious subject, here's the bad guys, here's the good guys, and so on and so forth. But it blurs those lines. I thought your character... I mean the, the the thing that amazed me about your performance is even till the end he is the bad guy as such mm. but he isn't aware that he's a bad guy mm. and I think that's one of the most the thing uh, a thing that strikes me the most in, in 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 great performances is it's easy to be the the villain right but it's far more n- n- nuanced and realistic to know that the villain doesn't think he's the villain, the villain thinks he's just reacting. The villain just right. thinks he's doing what's right at the time. Right, um, and that's what I thought was 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 really interesting about this out I said, easy to to it, it would have been very easy to make a very clear the police are the bad guys type right, film. Right, and whilst right. there's there's the, there's a lot of that undeniable, yeah. there is nuances and there is is layers and there is a story being told. So. Mm. So how was that, and how was it to be to represent a tr- true event? Obviously yeah. dramatised, and some bits have to you know fill in the blanks. But how was the pressure in that of of representing these events?
1: Yeah, first of all, I appreciate that, man. I mean, I think as you said, you know, if if you were sort of forced to to point out who the who the villain in this story is, that, yeah. that there would be kind of uh, not much hesitation over pointing the finger at my character and I sure. too would would fully highlight him as, as the as the villain if forced to. But I think one thing that I was keen to do was not encourage anyone to empathise with him whatsoever because yeah. I, I don't think he's a, uh, in any case, a well-intentioned sort of cop who made yeah. a mistake at any point. I think, as you said, he has these very kind of offensive, misguided uh, opinions and a very violent and racist agenda yeah. that he wholeheartedly and self-righteously believes in. Yeah. So he thinks he's right, as you pointed out, and that's the scariest thing. And The fact that he is so confident about the fact that he's right when in fact it's so obvious that he's wrong is yeah. kind of the scariest, the scariest thing. And it was important to humanise him so as to make him identifiable within society then and now, I think was the, was the, was the
0: point. 100%. That. There's that that saying that um, we don't allow m- monsters to walk around in our society. Mm. We allow normal-looking people. Mm. And that's kind of the beauty there, because it, it's, it's true. If we go too far to go, well, they're clearly evil, and you can identify it a mile off. It's like, well, no, that's not what the problem is. These are humans, and yeah. they might not be evil as such, they might just have a few things that are on the wrong level, a few mm. a few unforgivable misguidings um, and I mean, uh, errors in judgment or view or opinion. But it, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's an in, inaccurate portrayal. And I think it's something that happens a lot, um, particularly on social media at the moment, um, that everyone who has a slightly not left-leaning opinion is a Nazi. It's like, well, no, we need to, we need to be able to properly identify the genuine fucking Nazis. Do yeah, you know what I mean? We yeah, don't want to yeah, blur yeah, that yeah, and, yeah. and give them somewhere totally, to hide. It's like, yeah. it's, it's important to, to have that balance. Totally. To say, well, no, they're not all Nazis. These ones carry Nazi flags. Mm, they're right. fucking Nazis. And it, right. it, it, it can blur that line. So that's what I liked about this, about your performance and, and the way the film was put across in general was, I said, those nuances, the humanizing elements in no way forgiving. And I said, by mm, the end, mm, I feel it's very clear who everyone is, mm, um, who's mm, good and who's bad and so mm, on and so forth. Mm, but mm. yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. I think there's a certain amount of, or a great amount of protection that's offered by not actually putting labels on things that are, you know, unarguably one thing. I yeah. mean, um, the recent, you know, uh, riotous behavior of white supremacists in charlottesville you know that those individuals are they're nazis they're white supremacists um before they are anything else and i think when you know someone like trump in his position Mm -hmm. fails to identify them correctly then all it does is send a very dangerous and widespread message that you know we shouldn't call those people out we shouldn't make examples of them and i think that's a call to all creatives when it comes to representing these kind of people on screen to do it as unapologetically as you put it yeah you know as possible um because we don't want to offer them any more protection i mean they've you know they've they've already got the protection um that comes with being you know uh That comes with white privilege. Yeah, they already have an assumption of innocence and and, and a protection, a natural sense of protection against against guilt. So, to sort of embolden them anymore, you know, with comments like the fact, you know, I think Trump described some of the people in that rally as very fine people. You know, amongst them, some very fine people. You know, things like that are just so dangerous.
0: Hundred percent. It's, I mean, it always comes back in in this situation to me that in in. In situations where racism is rife, um, it's not enough to not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. You have yes. to be fighting that. So, if there are some people in there who aren't, oh, I'm not actually a Nazi. It's like, well, you were walking next to them, and it's, that that that's that's standing, not, standing
1: shoulder to shoulder. It's
0: similar. I mean, it comes again in. Um, I think the job of a police officer is one of the hardest mm, in the world. Absolutely. Yet. Again, it touches in in this. Not all the police officers are equally evil as such, but by standing by quietly or by not standing up in these situations, you're coercing in that. You're part of that. You're part of that problem. So whilst it's, again, I think it's lazy to say um, the whole all cops are bastards type Mm -hmm. thing, all that, it's like Mm -hmm. they're not. But again, it's going to, all of these solutions come are going to come from the black community and the white community and the police. It, it, right, it needs right. everyone to solve this problem. Totally. It doesn't just take one to say you're wrong, so totally. fuck you kind of thing. It takes everyone to go, we're wrong a bit too. And yeah. oh, we we're kind of wrong here. Yeah, you know, so yeah. everyone
1: addressing that. A hundred percent, man. I mean that that's that's the that's the truth of the matter that this is a everybody problem, yeah. and, and it can be an everybody solution for the same yeah. for the same reason. Um, I was also concerned about the fact that my representation of this particular police officer might communicate that I think badly of all police. And the first thing I have to be honest about is, of course, that my experience with the police is founded um, on the fact that I am a young, straight, white, middle-class male. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's very unique yeah, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. there's pretty much no prejudice. And it's quite possible that I could go through my entire life and it, and experience nothing but unbiased, hardworking, honest, you know, well-intentioned police officers. Yeah. And I believe there are a great many of those. hundred um, percent. But when it comes to individuals like Philip Krauss, my character in Detroit, it's about making an example of those individuals and, th- and throwing them under the bus, you know, Um Holding them up as something that we cannot afford to allow uh, in our society, completely, um, much less in positions of power. And, you know, I think it must be heartbreaking for, you know, good, hardworking, honest police officers to see cases where they have been let down by their fellow officers and they have witnessed police officers who are wearing essentially the same uniform and a badge with the same level of prestige attached to it. And they're committing murders. Yeah. And furthermore, they're then walking away from those experiences, you know, without being met with the kind of convictions that they should be met with. Um, I remember reading, a, a comment from a African American police officer who served in Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. um, where, uh, and, and, and actually, I can't, I can't remember exactly the details of the case, but there was a case where an innocent person of colour had been killed by the police. Yeah. Um, and then there was a retaliation against the police right. um, by, um, a, 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 I think, a, a couple of African-American men. And there was a, a statement made by an African-American police officer on Facebook, on his personal Facebook. And he said one of the most heartbreaking things both as a black man and as a police officer, was to see people look at him w- with shame, regard him with a sort of negative judgment. Yeah. As if to say, how dare you as a black man wear that uniform? Because yeah. by wearing that uniform, it implies that you don't stand with black people. And, and I think the, the crux of his statement was, I wear this uniform to serve and protect everybody. Yeah. And in particular, as a black man, I'm I'm in this position to try and ensure that my 100%. own people are not being...
0: It should be all the more important to have that integration and familiarity right. so that if if you are a young black man in Baton Rouge, you know, not an easy area, to, to see in what would be a moment of fear when you potentially see that badge glistening, yes. to see a familiar face, a there black face, and feel... So, because again, it, it, it's on both sides. It can be on both sides. It can be the the natural reaction of panic when the police come because you are of an ethnicity that generally it doesn't end well mm. when the police come. Mm. And equally, on the police side, again, not excusing anyone, but it's a tough job. I I, I acknowledge that if you're if you're Absolutely. in a rough area and you're scared for your life, I mean, you could argue that if there was more. A, a rigorous training and preparation then that fear wouldn't be there but yeah, yeah you know if it absolutely. was truly the great and the good rather than an, a, a job vacancy as such then then that's that but we won't go into that <laughs> in, in sure, 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 no, again it's, it's it, it, it is that if, if if you can have that familiarity if it's if that policeman coming down the road is mickey's cousin mm. and you recognize him or mm. if that kid's in the hoodie is Jamal's nephew? Do you know what I mean? it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like yeah. you've got that familiarity of like, look, you can have that interaction. It's why when my granddad was a policeman, it, mm. it feels like a better time because it was so local and so communal. You you did have Bobby's on the beat. You did have mm. someone who would walk around the neighbourhood and, and know everyone. They wouldn't right. only turn up when something when. Uh, Situations are elevated. Mm. That's always going to be a fractious Mm. relationship. Mm. If you only ever see each other when shit's going down, that's not going to be a a friendly, engaging, understanding thing. It's going to be a ramped up to 12, always intense interaction. Yeah. So it's a hundred percent. A hundred
1: percent. And I think it's also important to have, you know, departments of law enforcement that are representative of the communities that they seek to serve and protect. Yeah. And I think what you're saying is so true about seeing familiar faces and, you know, having the police force be representative of those communities um, is, is kind of one of the first steps. It's been really encouraging to meet with the Detroit police department as a part of being, you know, in in this film and, and, and and sort of embarking on the promotional tour um, and learning from the chief of police who's an African-American man by the name of James Craig, Detroit is now the most diverse police department in the country.
0: There's amazing things going on in Detroit at the amazing. moment. Considering uh, looking back even 10-15 years, it 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 felt like it was practically a war zone. I remember when we were touring America, Detroit wasn't even an option. It was it was off the list like eight right. years ago. Whereas a lot of now there's so much rejuvenation there, so much promotion of, of new businesses, of black owned Businesses of, yeah. of of stuff from in the community. Yeah. So that there's that pride and community and unity. And again, the police force is a great example of that.
1: Amazing example. Particularly when you think about when this film was set, which was nineteen sixty seven, the police force was ninety five percent white. So there you've got a community living in fear of a police department that operated with a huge racial bias. Yeah. Um, just just straight off the mark because yeah, yeah. you know you were totally outnumbered i mean detroit was approaching 40 percent african-american at the time so the, the stats speak for themselves but yeah. then of course there's a presumption of guilt and there were sort of antagonistic arrest tactics being used and you know a disproportionate amount of uh, african-american people being arrested for you know misdemeanors and and, and and non-crimes um and actually it made me think about it made me think about Riz Ahmed's comments in Parliament about diversity and actually referring to it more accurately uh, as representation and I think that's what we need moving forward is across the board we need a better degree of representation that that police departments are representative of, of, of the communities that they're in charge of as opposed to, or I shouldn't say in charge of but Looking to protect, as yeah, a, as as opposed to being kind of more diverse, yeah. Um I think but, I um, think
0: that's a great point, and and uh, I think, a, a, a Riz's comments. I mean, someone could throw that away or pass that off as, "Oh, it's the entertainment industry. How important is it?" It's very fucking important, man. Because so it's important. it's truly, it's still it's one of the few. Areas that still has such huge reach with mm. with cinema and with TV and with everything and totally. as I mean just touching upon on the mention of of, of the LA riots and stuff there, mm. there's now so many great directors and actors and producers who were growing up at that time and you know black p- black artists in this industry who should be tasked with telling that story I and mean, mm. it's it's an amazing and powerful thing i think again we touched upon when we were discussing at the mobos thing you can it's easy to dismiss the arts as um yeah as frivolous i mean a lot of people when um uh, i can't think uh, there's been a few points recently at award ceremonies where political statements have been made and people have gone yeah. sit down actor yeah, actress, or whatever else it's like it's crazy but it's it's a valid thing and that's I mentioned
1: that is genuine madness to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, Sorry, I right. saw a
0: post the other day. Um, I can't think who it was by uh, by Anna Paquin because she had posted about something political, and someone had posted saying, "Actors and comedians and musicians stick to entertaining. <laughs> uh, we don't need your opinions." It's like her her point quite quick was, "You forget the other labels I have as as mother." And, 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 and member of community, it's like right. M- and my thought is, so just because they've human got beings. a talent here, their views are are written off. But right. the thing that I was mentioning um, on that night was a film from 1962 called Victim, and it was it was the first film I believe, um, certainly in British cinema, to speak favourably of of homosexuals. Uh, 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 of homosexuals, it was still illegal then, mm. and. A victim is seen by many as b- being influential in the changing of that law because it addressed the fact um, at that point it was a big thing, blackmail was a huge thing for anyone who was homosexual and of, of any any wealth because it was such a uh, an area of shame mm. but, or it was illegal, it was mm. shame and all mm. this so people were being blackmailed constantly to keep their sexuality a secret and th- this film addressed that and it had a policeman in there who was the only one in all the rest of the policemen who spoke as, 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 as sympathetically of, of these poor gay people who right, were just living their right. thing And stuff like that, I mean, even more so then when there was limited media reach, but stuff like that would be watched by the masses and by the public and would start to turn that over again. Totally. Detroit will get more... Bums in seats at the at the cinema than a documentary being released. Like not a lot of documentaries are getting big cinema releases. There right. are some, obviously, but not lots are getting that. So that's an important thing, right? To know that people are going to be sitting down of of all political beliefs. And I'm not saying they're going to uh, a racist is going to watch it and have his mind change, but he might see little bits that are familiar and see bits from slightly different angles that totally. he wouldn't choose to put on a documentary on the LA riots or a documentary on this and that other than to go, well, that's all wrong and all this, you know? Totally. T- man. There is a huge power in media in that way.
1: A hundred percent. And I think across the board, I think, you know, your point earlier about platforms like, you know, Netflix yeah. um, and, um, you know, uh, the need for films to be more than just entertainment, to be informational, to be nourishing. You know, I think yeah. throughout history we've seen... <clears throat> The effect of movies, TVs, music, or media as a form of escapism from reality. Yeah. But I think what we do undermine, and what people continue to undermine, is how creatives and what they create can actually benefit society. And when you when 100%. you drill down on the role of a of a, a creative or a performer, historically speaking, it has been to reflect on society and have that work better it.
0: Yeah. Um yeah.
1: have that work potentially point out social ailments and offer a way of improving it. And and that's why I get particularly pissed off when people say things like stay in your lane. It's like I'm in my lane. Yeah. yeah. As far as I see it, I'm driving as smoothly as I possibly can in yeah. my lane. So <laughs> yeah. long as I'm creating yeah. stuff that isn't just vacuous bullshit and yeah. you know, if I And
0: and I mean I I'd I'd, I'd I'd want to have- there is a place for all of it. There is a place, a place for all there's of There's a place exactly. for the cinema where I'm just eating popcorn and I'm forgetting. But there's a place for when I'm challenged more, and that's totally. that's what makes it beautiful. If every film was really hard work, then a lot less people would go and see films. It's, it's the balance right. of the two that it's you can go. It's this escape, but equally, oh, they've slipped this in. Oh shit! Right. I didn't realize that.
1: And, you know, and to be told that there's there's sort of no place for anything outside of. Creating the work itself is, is quite depressing because yeah. again, historically speaking, you know, art has been there to try and improve and, 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 and better society. So, um, I, I, I get equally frustrated by those, by those comments. And I think, you know, as you said, there's a place for all of it and there is absolutely nothing wrong than you know, watching a film that is just a, a roller coaster. It's just, uh, uh, you know, one of those sort of popcorn movies that yeah, people yeah. can, you know, uh, can sometimes kind of label them as. There, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And Jesus, I've been in them and, and I may well continue to be in yeah, them. Yeah. But I also think that there's a way of lacing films that you would never assume to have or, or, or need. Um, Kind of socio-political commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a way of actually including that in those sorts of films. And John Boyega made the point on on this recent press tour. He said people are forgetting um, how Star Wars, from the off, you know, even in a film that might be labelled as the ultimate blockbuster, you know, yeah. sci-fi, totally fantastical, all of these things, you know, from the off that had. You know, a sort of socio-political edge to it. You know, there are themes of mutiny, there are themes of dictatorship, there are there are themes of social injustice, there are themes of poverty, there are themes of classism. You know, and people are kind of eating their vegetables without even realising it when they watch Star Wars film.
0: You can be as heavy-handed or as subtle as you like, and Star Wars is a great example of the ultimate popcorn film. But um, again, you've got things like. a Riz Ahmed, as, as we mentioned earlier, commenting that you know when he grew up at christmas it's a Christmas film that comes out in December at Christmas he couldn't buy an action figure of someone that looked like him as Man. a young brown boy in England whereas he was incredible. saying he was in Star Wars, and as as small a difference as that is, young Asian boys could mm. buy an action figure of Riz, and that'd be their main toy, and they'd be excited so that, so it doesn't have to be we're telling the story of Detroit, a great uh, racial injustice and social injustice. It can be, well, we're just getting more variation in the casting process and in in, in the characters and things like that. And these small, subtle things can make a massive difference, particularly to young minds that that haven't been tarnished by the ills of society yet. If you're naturally just growing up and watching a multitude of races and colours and creeds on your screen it's going to be easier to accept a multitude of races and colours and creeds in your street, on next door to you, in your school, you know? Totally, totally, man. I think
1: that that is such a good point. I think if we're going to kind of nurture the future, then we need to be looking at the kind of media that we're subjecting our kids to yeah. and, 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 and the media that is being made for young people um, specifically. Yeah, um, completely. What's that amazing animation film that got a lot of critical acclaim and did really well at the box office too? And it, 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 it's, it's largely about mental health. Um, it's about a little girl. It's about the, the characters inside the mind of a little yes. girl and how they shape her psychology. Yep, it's,
0: it's, it's the different parts of her, her mind, isn't it? Oh, what's that called? Right. Inside Out.
1: Inside Out. Yeah. I mean, like, what a brilliant movie amazing amazing and, and we need we need more inside out and respectfully maybe less emoji <laughs> movies you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah we yeah, need yeah. films i think and while there's a place for all of it because you know you might go to the emoji movie and 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 have a great time i guess my point is that there are a lot of films that fit into that bracket and less that fit into what the what
0: excites out. me is things like inside out and even the lego movie and stuff like that that they're intelligently written. They're, yes. they're having huge success. So yes. you don't fall back on, oh... And again, this isn't an anti-emoji movie, brand. Uh, no, but no, But no, no. don't fall back on things like... Well, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to, to open do. that door no, either. No, 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 completely. But it's, it's a great example that... It, it's why I did a post after seeing Detroit saying... Urging people to go and see it in the cinema. Because, number one, I think it's a great film. But number two... The more films like that have a box office success, because the fact is, this is an industry that is, is, is always going to be uh, a, a, a financially driven in many ways. There's right. no, there's no avoiding that. But the more films like this have a box office success, the more chances that will be given to more films like this, to yeah. more things discussed in these subjects. Cause again, if people go, Oh, it's in fashion now to, to be a, a social political, it's like, cool, I'm happy with that. I'm <laughs> I'm fine with that being in fashion now and yeah. being a thing. If that can be something that gets those films made and gets those things greenlit and signed off on and, mm. and those stars that aren't white, typical Hollywood's yeah, bright yeah, teeth, yeah. smiling, you know, if, yeah, it, if it opens yeah, up yeah. those doors, then yeah, I'm cool with that. To- to-
1: totally, man. And I think... You know, again without paying too much attention to, to to the to the to the emoji movies or similar <laughs> films. You know, I look at that film and there is a place for it. Yeah. But would that film have been hurt by another redraft or two redrafts yeah. to ensure that it was a bit more nourishing for children and it did have some sort of worthwhile socio-political messaging in it because kids are going to grow up with emojis. Yeah, like that's going to yeah. be more part of their future than it has been for for, yeah. for for you and I. Yeah, and so you can still, in my opinion, have a massively financially successful film, still have it be critically uh, acclaimed, and it be socio-politically responsible. No one gets hurt. Everybody wins. I think it's just a bit lazy to create a film with the intention to make a load of money off a current train. And, 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 and I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case with Emoji Movie, but, it's but an example that is that the we'll attitude use of some yeah. yeah,
0: And again, it's, it's it's kind of cool that hopefully that, that attitude or that outlook will prove old and unsuccessful. Because the fact is with kids' films, like, like having two goddaughters and knowing that if there's a film... That are they like her parents are going to hear or see that film yeah, yeah. about a hundred times? <laughs> yeah. So you know, have the, the theme tune sang from yeah, the back of the car the, every day. The, 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 the more school. there's yeah. some substance in it that you're appealing <laughs> slightly to, to her parents, mm. the more openness they're going to have. Oh yeah, let's put that one on again. Man. You, do you know what I mean? Rather than let's put this emoji one on it. I mean, we're hating on the emoji. Yeah, no, I've no, know, no, 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 I'm sorry, I, I didn't know. even mean to. And I haven't even seen. No, that's exactly. the truth. I haven't even seen. He's got some. Poor reviews I've, I have, I've, I've, re- I've, I've read up
1: on it but yeah you know I think and I, and I want to reiterate what you said because there is a place for all of it yeah I suppose my question that I'll always hold over any film is could it have been better yeah and 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 whether that means adding extra explosions which is you know less likely and yeah. and, and, and and adding more money to the budget or is it you know uh c- could it be improved by really addressing the core themes of the script and analyzing a little more closely what we're actually communicating yeah. to our to our audiences within the within the sort of finer details of the messaging and you know there's arguments on either side but i just think there's nothing wrong with asking you know whether something could have been better
0: 100% um, and everyone should be trying to ask that along the way if if everyone involved is questioning that and it's tough cuz You've been in the industry a long a, a long while now, mm. so I'm sure you've either seen people or uh, woken up on days and felt it yourself. It becomes a job. It becomes mm-hmm. a job like mm-hmm. any other job. You mm-hmm. may not wake up every morning and go, right, today I'm going to yeah. absolutely knock this out of the past. You'll wake up thinking, totally. oh, what scenes have I got? Oh, All right, yeah, I'll get yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, it's a late one. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it yeah. Is, is, I can understand... I'm, my awareness is that no one sets out to make a bad movie, so I've got a little no. bit of lenience and, and, and yeah. sympathy there because it's like, well, no one intentionally went, oh, let's phone this in. Tell totally. you know I me mean? if it happened, it oh, happened. But
1: and and also, you know, I mean, I should have prefixed it with this, but like, I'm not saying that everything I've been in is 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 great and could have been it couldn't have been better. I mean, on the contrary, like I'm fully aware of that. I just think, yeah, in order for I think media to really maximize its potential. Yeah, we just need to keep a keener eye trained on on what what's going on around us because I think to lose
0: sight of it is is just is is just irresponsible. Completely. I yeah. mean, let's 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 go all the way back then. I mean, <clears throat> you've got a decent hit rate, I've got to say. I mean, st- st- starting off with S- S- Son of Rambo was that the first thing you yeah, yeah you did? And I've had Garth Jennings on. I love Garth; he's oh, amazing. So, so how did that all come about? Like, you grew up in in London, right? Was mm. acting always? the goal and the thing. Yeah. You know, I was
1: really lucky. I mean, I refer to Garth as sort of my film dad in, yeah, in, in a sense and Garth Jennings and, and Nick Goldsmith, um, who made up hammer and Tom's yeah, um, yeah. being my kind of film parents. They were, uh, incredible to me, gave me a huge opportunity by, you know, giving me a part in Son of Rambo. And I was at school, not really enjoying it whatsoever. Right. Finding it quite depressing at school, actually just to be, and I and I should say that I was lucky in the sense that I went to a really nice school. My dad, you know, worked out of his skin to 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 get me there. Yeah. But I just found myself in an environment where not being good at anything right. and feeling inadequate across the board was really scary. Cause I think at 12, eleven, twelve, thirteen I was having almost like my midlife crisis then. I was sort of yeah, having a quarterly yeah. life crisis.
0: and It's a strange world at that age when there is kind of pressure on, so what do you want to do for the,
1: for the rest of for your life? For the rest of your life, totally. And I, I think don't I was particularly want to like, do
0: anything at the moment. Right, <laughs> right, 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 exactly. I want to be a kid. And,
1: yeah. and I think I was sort of potentially being sort of prematurely existential and and, and, and thinking beyond the school walls. Yeah. Arguably too early on, but it really got me down because I was like, okay, this is my life for the next six, seven years, probably. Yeah. And I hate it already and I don't see anything changing. So what? So I think discovering drama and being able to perform even just one for one lesson a week was the reason I got out of bed Amazing. and the reason I kind of got through the week. Yeah. And the thing that I just loved and the only time I really felt comfortable actually and happy and confident and I had an incredible I had two incredible drama teachers but early on um it was it was Laura Lawson um who originally performed under the name of Laura Black and she created School of Comedy yeah um from a kind of Uh, which is where
0: I first saw you was it okay became aware of it right 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 for anyone that doesn't know School of Comedy was it wasn't a kid's show by any means, no. Clearly. It was it, it was just a comedy show, but it happened to have children or young people yeah. as the cast. And I remember at the time just thinking, "Oh, that's great." I mean, it, it this like I remember just hearing about. it. I think that this could be really hit and miss because right. you're dealing with brand new performers. But if it hits, then that's gonna that could be an amazing thing, right?
1: Bro, I'm telling you, that's exactly the reaction from people. It was kids doing adult comedy, and that was the sell. Yeah. And it was almost like a sort of Bugsy Malone sketch show Yes, how I think like an early kind of like reviewer like um, described it. And, you know, we started as an after-school club on the school premises and it was all kids that went to that school. And our first gig was like assembly and then it was the like summer fair (laughs) and then it was like, oh, this dodgy attic above a pub says that they've got a theatre and they want to they want to like, you know, uh, give us a spot on the bill. They're doing a comedy night boom and we go there and we do that. And then we'd maybe do another kind of like sort of, you know, up, up, up upstairs theater, you know, um, in a pub or something like that. And, and that kind of escalated. And then we ended up going to Edinburgh festival. And I remember flyering Edinburgh festival and we would just fly it and fly it and fly it and fly it all day. We just had these stack of flyers and it would be, you know, the school of comedy written across it. And, at Edinburgh Festival, which is amazing, by the way. You must yeah, have been there before. Yeah, yeah I love it. Stuff,
0: I, I got back from there a week ago. Just, it's really? the first time I've gone just to watch people. So yeah, I, I adore it. It's amazing I mean,
1: place. If anyone's listening who hasn't been to Edinburgh Festival, like I would, I would get, I would, couldn't recommend it more highly. But flying away, begging people to come in, and, yeah. and you could see people look at it, and, and they saw the kids, kids, adult comedy, or, or it was I, I can't remember our exact tab, tagline. It was something along the lines of. Um, Adult comedy, not for kids, done by kids or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Something smoother and, and slicker <laughs> than that. And you could just see people. I mean, often people would just grab it, kind of laugh at it, and and literally throw it away it's in front right, of right, us. Yeah. But
0: we, it's cutthroat, up there, it's cutthroat, cutthroat up there, man. <laughs> cutthroat
1: man. And our first night, oh my god! I remember we were performing in this, like, I mean, it was a caravan with no wheels. Basically, it was this <laughs> massive sort of empty caravan, and it probably had Sort of sixty seats, and it It was huge, you know, for a caravan. But it was a very small venue; (laughs) it was probably the smallest venue in the Pleasance, which is kind of that sort of main sort of courtyard area. And I remember when we walked out, and there were like twelve people, you know. And it's like, all right, twelve people took a chance on us. It's our first show. It could be worse. It could be eleven people, you know. It is what it is. But we ended up having a sellout show by the end of of the month, and we were on the sellout board. This little caravan with these. Kids in it, yeah, and we we ended up selling out the festival, and we were on the sellout board for like the last two weeks, and you couldn't get in, and everyone was talking about school of comedy, and we were like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, like, it's yeah, amazing, you know. And then when we were flying, like we'd have like we'd be flying, and then people were like, oh, can we get a picture with you? And at like 11, 12 years old, there's nothing that gasses you up more I than 11, someone 12. saying that's amazing. Do you know what I mean? It was yeah. crazy for us, and then for people to to sort of react like that was nuts. And and then then from there came um, BBC Comedy Shuffle. We did a spot on that. And then we had our first series on on E4. So it was a roller coaster, And that kind of coincided with that sort of... The the Edinburgh side of things happened before I did School of Comedy. The timeline's a bit blurry for me. Uh, Sorry, before before I did Son of Rambo. I went off and did Son of Rambo. I came back and then we shot our first season. So... You know, I was so lucky, man. And at that point, I guess I'd found what I really wanted to do and I'd had an enormous amount of luck and support, you know.
0: Did it off. kind of turn your head at all um, and make you feel potentially comedy was the calling or was acting specifically always kind of the the feeling and drive? Because it's a tough one. Again, if you're, mm. if you're going up on stage and making people laugh, yeah, that's an addictive thing, right? That's yeah. an addictive thing. And then saying, oh, do you want to come and be on set for six months and right. be in a trailer and not getting that instant reaction.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, that instant gratification yeah. that comes with performing with life comedy performing. live, yeah, yeah, particularly, yeah. you know. I mean, um, you know, I don't need to tell you about kind of like audience feedback and stuff. It's, it's a lovely thing yeah. to, to have and it's an, an amazing energy to feed off. And um, Edinburgh is, is wonderful for that reason in particular. Um, I, was,
0: I, was, I was talking about it the other day with Paddy Considine, who's doing yeah, God, a, a Ferryman at the moment. And it's his first time doing a theatre.
1: Which has more stars in its reviews than the Galaxy. It's I mean, it's ridiculous. just ridiculous, I can't isn't wait it? to see it. But it, it looks
0: amazing. He was saying how re- refreshing it is because of he's always done... And obviously, he's got his bands, how he's played live. But acting-wise, it's always been TV and film. Mm. And it is a weird w- w- out, out world. As you're on at the moment, mm. you're promoting something that you made... A year or so ago, right? And mm-hmm. now you're on to the next project that you're mm-hmm. filming and you, you've got to today to off, but you were on set, uh, set yesterday. So yeah, yeah. it's that weird world of, even if it's the most exciting project in the world, by the time you're having to go around and do interviews about it, mm-hmm. you're probably your mind somewhere else or your right. focus is on something else. Whereas right. with live performance, you're getting it all there and then. It's all in that moment, literally as you're saying those words out loud, you're getting that reaction, you're getting the gasp. you're getting the silence, you're getting the laughter. Yeah. So it's a yeah. different, it's a different, it's a very, a different a medium, I guess. It's, it's mad, man. Yeah. And, and
1: and Edinburgh Festival in particular is like just so immersive because if you're not performing, I think then you're going to go check out a mates show or, yeah. you know, the other thing that people are talking about. Spitting it all in. It's, 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 and then it's just trying to sort of schedule it. Um.
0: I, I found out that the reason, because i only, I've only, done edible once and and when we're booking it coming from a a working class background they were like oh what day off do you want each week and I was like it's an hour a night like every day is a day (laughs) off mate so they they kind of forced me to have a couple of days off and you realize the reason for day offs is because of stuff you're clashing with to go and watch to go and enjoy these things because that was the bit that annoyed me Is like oh I'm on at nine or whatever Everyone, I want to seize on at nine, so I'm not going to get yeah. to see anyone ever. Or there's these slight crossovers because yeah, you have to write yeah, off yeah. really anything that starts from seven till about ten because you've got yeah, this whole club, yeah.
1: So And also, it feels kind of irresponsible, doesn't it, to be out at a show yeah. moments before you're supposed yeah, to be I'm about to for go on, whatever, yeah, as, yeah, as if you're yeah, not yeah, going to yeah. put in a performance. Yeah, you can't, can't run on and be like, sorry, I was I was just checking out this unbelievable
0: stuff. You've really got to check I've it been- out, it's fantastic. <laughs> but anyway, where were we?
1: <laughs> where um, were we, yeah. Oh, you've been sat here for 10 minutes and you've paid £15. Um, yeah I I, I love live performance and I I miss it for I think that reason that you don't get that kind of you don't get to feed off that energy and it's such an intimate relationship with the audience that you you truthfully don't really get with, with, with film or television I don't think so Um, I miss that and and I would love to revisit it I mean we've talked about maybe doing a kind of like school of comedy reunion and we've joked about like University of Comedy or whatever or kind of even sort of like yeah I don't know elderly people home like School of Comedy or something I don't know we've we've joked about it um, being something that you know we we certainly won't write off in the future Um, but any excuse to perform live again I'm I'm, 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 I'm all ears to it
0: I love that I mean I, I don't want to gloss over anything, but we're going to have to because we've only got a certain of course, amount of time. Of course, of course. I like the variation of 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 of, of your career path and the, the things you've got to do from live to TV, but things like a, a, a Chronicles of Narnia, that being a, obviously a right. huge production, to a great little indie in Wild Bill and, oh, thanks, and stuff man. like that. But one I wanted to get to was We Are the Millers because that was one that I slung on not expecting too much just mm, like oh mm. it's going to be some American yeah, comedy yeah, yeah. and number one it, sl- it slayed me I thought it was great it was huh. one thing that I was, I was ready to switch off but I thoroughly was laughing all the way through. I have that right, lot right. with with. <laughs> it's going to uh, sound odd but I love watching anything with Kevin Hart or The Rockin because yeah, yeah. they're both kind of people that I shouldn't enjoy it should be so <laughs> basic or throwaway everything they seem to do it's got such good heart and such good humour <laughs> right. it wins me over and and We Are the Millers was one that made me go, "Oh shit!" That kid from School of Comedy and from these right. other things is—it it felt like a real launchpad for you, or attention to think, say, "Look, you're right. not just this British young child; you're right a versatile actor as such."
1: Well, I appreciate that. I mean, that's crazy because I think that was the reaction of a select number of people from the UK, at least because. You know, I mean school of comedy f- far from took over the took over the world, but like there were there were a few people in the UK who might have been like, Oh, that's your, that's yeah, your yeah, man yeah. off the yeah. TV show yeah. from a while ago that was on before Skins. Okay, cool. <laughs> um but for virtually everyone else it was who the hell is that kid? Like, it's Jennifer Anderson, <clears throat> Jason Sagis, Emma Robertson, who the hell is that? So I'm really grateful and it's not lost on me, you know, just how much of a risk um, that a new line took by casting me, you know, and Rawson particularly, who really went to bat for me, Rawson Marshall-Thurber, who's Amazing. the director, yeah. who actually went on to do Central Intelligence with The Rock. And, Amazing. And, oh, there you um, go. That's- and Kevin Hart, yeah. Kevin Hart. Brilliant. So um, they took a massive gamble on me and I'm really grateful for that. But it's funny because as much of a launch as that was, I think for a long time, the only thing that came across my desk was uh, the... The, the the dorky or the or the nerdy or the sure, sure, less sure. socially popular according to yeah. whatever ridiculous standards young people have for yeah. cool these days yeah, yeah. Um, you know role uh, it it was always the, the the bullied kid in the hallways of a of a high school and that's you know that is that is what it is but as much as a of a launchpad as it was I think that made the getting of of other roles slightly harder and I think yeah. um, you know I'm I still online like have people be like oh what eyebrows is in this movie you know like things right. like yeah, that yeah, or like yeah, yeah. I remember when The Revenant like came out and people were like oh what eyebrow kid you know and I think I'm still I think if you type in weird eyebrow actor into Google and I know <laughs> this because uh, not only have my friends you know quite rightly mock me about it but <laughs> but I actually get sent it regularly online like people yeah sort of with like either kind of memeing if that's the correct term my eyebrows or or sending me like screenshots of these sorts of searches as if I haven't seen it before but <laughs> but it, it, it's interesting as much of as much of a massive opportunity that was it did put me in a box that I've worked quite hard to try and sort of clamber yeah. out of but yo without having shaved my it's, eyebrows it's off
0: basically. it's good <laughs> it's good to be able to be Googleable right <laughs> maybe there's a lot of actors that you couldn't search <laughs> and you know it's
1: weird there's one there's one in particular it would be wrong not to mention it there's one in particular it's taken from a, like a screenshot of the Maze Runner and I'm looking up kind of squinting and my eyebrows just start to lift up my forehead and then they start to just moves slightly off my face entirely, and then it becomes an eagle that just flies <laughs> away. And at that point, you've just got to give it up to the internet. Whoever, yeah. whoever did that, well, well fair played. Play yeah, in, yeah, fair play to other. you.
0: <laughs> uh, how was the maids a runner to work on because that was again another film. It's, it seems to be a habit. Not that I have, I have low expectation of you, mm. but it was another one that I kind of I slung on. Just like, all right, yeah. this is on Sky. I'll give it a look. I really enjoyed it. And again, it's 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 it's, it's it's in that time where we're getting these kind of epic young adult films, right. which weren't really a thing before. If it was a kid's film, it was a kid's film. Right. If it was a grown-up film, it was a grown-up film. But mm. we, because of, uh, I mean, uh, uh, looking at Maze Runner and Hunger Games mm. and things like this, that are these huge epic things, not just a, it's a kid's movie. you mm. know. It's, mm. and, yeah, I thought it was, it was great fun.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I was excited to be involved in it. Um, and I think that's largely because it struck me as an opportunity to be part of a, you know, big kind of blockbuster, but a big blockbuster that didn't neglect its duties to comment on society. And I think the bar was set by Hunger Games in in many respects. I think Hunger Games made some really clever comments about the media, um, some really astute political... Um, statements being made by by Hunger Games and and Maze are on a seat to kind of do the same thing, and I, I feel like it was and it, it also came to me at a time where young people in the UK were kind of banding together, not always in the best way. You know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, the the kind of um, riotous behavior of certain young people during yeah. the political instability you faced yeah, 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 uh, yeah. a few years ago. Like, yeah. I'm not condoning that, but it came cross you know my desk at a time so to speak I don't have a desk (laughs) when I felt like cool by being part of this by being part of this young cast who were representing characters who were kind of slightly fighting the system Mm -hmm. and rebelling against the political regime of wicked which is which is the which is the kind of um, the overbearing uh, force in the Maze Runner I kind of felt like I was doing something relevant yeah. and that was really exciting and then you know besides that I got to work with Kaya Scodelario who yeah. I love from Skins yeah. um, Dylan O'Brien who uh, is, is is incredible Thomas Brody-Sankster yeah. who's an amazing actor Amela Mean who's phenomenal um, Dexter Darden who's become one of my close friends Kehong Lee Lee's become one of my close friends um, Chris Sheffield I mean too many Alex Flores too many like amazing talented young people to mention yeah. and then the other thing man was to see a young guy like Wes Ball you know, in his late twenties, make one—I think it was a one-eight-minute, entirely animated film as a student, win the student Oscar, and then be handed forty million dollars to go and make the first of a three-picture series of I, films I, that, based I, on his based on nothing but his talent. You know, I and love it was that a brave, that's happening at the moment. I did a I did
0: a podcast in America with. um and I've forgotten his name, Jordan something, um, who who directed Kong s- Skull Island. Oh yeah, and yeah, that yeah. was like his second film. He'd, he'd, he'd made like a couple of small indies, what? and then was suddenly and talking to him backstage, him saying, "Yeah, I've suddenly got s- some of the biggest and greatest actors in the world under my under my direction." And amazing! I love that people are putting that faith in 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 new in new talent. That's it, man. Um, one more I want to talk about because again it's a great departure from all of these. I two thousand beginning of two thousand and sixteen I was cast in a TV sh- a show called Taboo, which I was hugely excited to yeah. be involved in. My first day, I'm getting my costume done. Forgive um, me, man, I haven't seen it yet. It's, it's great fun, to. and 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 Tom Hardy pops in, and we've chatted a bit in the past, and he pops into Salo, and he's like, "Oh, I've just I've got to go. Um, I've got to fly out for the Oscars." for the Revenant, um, because it was right, up preferring. Right, right. How was that as something to be involved in? The cast was amazing, the 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 of the way it was shot and where it was shot and all that mm-hmm. seemed like it felt like you're you you've been cast in this huge blockbuster, but goddamn can no one question any artistic merit or artistic approach or anything to it. So, so how was that as a particularly as said as being cast previously in as a nerd, as this, as right, that, right, 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 must have, have been a great one, right?
1: Man, so mad. Even now, like, I actually think back to the moment I found out, and I was staying at my staying at, I was staying on my brother's couch at the time in in uh, Shepherds Bush, and I was up, awake, barely able to sleep because I heard there might be some news on the next phase of casting about the Revenants. So I yeah. was just excited to have had the opportunity to tape for that tape to have been seen by the director and then meet him. And I probably met him two weeks prior in London or whatever. And then I heard from my agent, he played it kind of nicely. He was like, Oh, there's going to be some news on the next stage. And I was like, Oh cool. Like maybe I'll get to, maybe I'll get to fly out to LA and audition or something like Mm. that. And I found out that I got it. And man coming to, I jumped on my brother's bed. Like it was Christmas or something like that. (laughs) Like to find out that I get to work with, Tom Hardy with Leonardo DiCaprio with Alejandro, you know, the director yeah. and, and Chivo Emmanuel as the DOP. Like it was dream come true stuff. And, and it sort of felt like, to be honest, it was in a, a moment of pure elation And then the instant feeling I was suddenly struck with was like, okay, I better not fuck this up.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> yeah.
1: secondly, like, has this come too soon? Like,
0: right. That's interesting.
1: You know what I mean? Like, yeah. am I ready for this? And and this is something that I've always dreamed of doing. I've always wanted to work with, you know, the I've always yeah. wanted to work with Tom Hardy, but it's happening now and I'm yeah. 22. Like, it, can I actually do this? Can I, can I, uh, can I really rightfully say that I've earned it as Isn't well? It's hard to
0: think that at that point, as much as you had those doubts, you had 10 years in the game. You know yeah, what I mean? That's, really. that's insane to that's, think that, you'd, you know, you've been doing it that long, that, you are so. young, but you've you've got that experience there.
1: Yeah, I suppose, I suppose so. That's true. And then and then you're kind of reminded of the fact that it's come arguably prematurely, but it's come nonetheless. And you have to heap up the responsibility, and I you're doing a sense. disservice to everyone yeah. if you don't make the most of it and grab it with both hands.
0: It's got to make you up your game. Yeah, in in, in that situation, go. All yeah. oh, right, I need them to. To, to, and this is what I would be thinking not where I need them to think I belong here man I is... need to trick them into thinking I belong here.
1: <laughs> that's so what it is I, bro yeah. I need to that was exactly what it is can I can I fool them to think yeah, it, yeah. into thinking that I actually deserve my place oh. here and do you know what it wasn't until I worked with actually it wasn't until I worked with Leonardo DiCaprio and that's not to say for a second I haven't worked with some phenomenal actors yeah. but it wasn't until I worked with Leonardo DiCaprio that I fully appreciated what it means when people say oh yeah, they made me raise my game, etc. Like I've said it before and I've meant it, yeah. but no one has, you know, just inadvertently forced me into a position where I feel like I'm operating at my best because of just what they are doing is so powerful. And I would say the same thing about, I mean, the vast majority of my, the entire cast on on Detroit, but particularly the individuals involved in the shooting of the Algiers Motel incident, like the performances of the people around me were so incredible that, you know, it it just makes your job so much easier is is the point.
0: uh, When I was making um, Taboo, again, it was the third thing I'd ever been cast in. Mm. And both Stephen Graham and Tom Hardy at points took me aside and, gave me some tips and really helped me up my game and both really? of them said that Leo had done, had done that to them when they felt hmm. Leo is next level and they were saying it's, it's that important thing he, he made them want to up their game but, but was also accommodating to that that option to that I'm being a thing right. not kind of you can't up your game because I own the, the board do yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. don't know what I mean it's like um, allowing, helping everyone to up their game and that must be key to a, a project i like that to feel that you can up your game and push yourself and not kind of just be like all right i'll just step I'll back, back, back and, here man i'll bro, let you do your thing a hundred
1: percent like i i really think the most successful creatives are collaborators in yeah. fact i would say the most successful people are collaborators yeah, um to whatever it extent they collaborate but they need to collaborate you need to recognize that however individual a pursuit may seem you owe it to other people yeah somewhere along the line and 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 at certain stages um, leo's a collaborator and that's what was crazy to me man is like you know when i've worked with people like leo and and this is very true of Catherine bigelow as well when they turn to you and say what do you think like it's 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 a mental thing. It's like you, first of all, you care what I think. Yeah. Secondly, yeah. you want my opinion. You may even you may even consider it going forward. Like that's a lovely thing. But I think they recognise the power in other perspectives, different vantage points, and yeah. what they can learn from 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 those. And, and it that, takes, that makes them so. It successful. takes
0: so much strength and confidence in yourself to be open to that. Again, right. not to try and, and bring it round to me at all. But I had exactly the same on one particular day on Taboo when it mm. was Tom Hardy Tom Hollander um, and the, the script editor I can't remember her name but it worked on some of the most amazing things and the three of us are discussing this scene or the, the four of us the three of them are discussing this scene right. and then they asked me what I thought and I kind of I suggested a couple of bits and we went with one of the ones I've suggested and I honestly I got home and text about five different people saying <laughs> man they let me say like number one they let me say anything but number two I said something that helped. There and you, you know what I mean? It meant man, the world. Yeah, it just pushes it that does. confidence. But it takes great confidence f- from them yeah. to open up and go, oh, what do you think? And what do you think? Because if it. they have to, they will say, well, no, that was wrong. Mm. We're going to stick with what we were doing. Mm-hmm. But to, to have that confidence to, to open it up, to be aware that other people can have some positive input here. Yes. Yes. Thing. I mean, I'd also add that if Google... Was around in the '90s, around the Basketball Diaries time. I'd argue if you Googled eyebrows, kids, Leonardo DiCaprio might have come up. <laughs> then, so I think there's some kinship there. That when he was the young star, <laughs> I think that, that might have been the so case.
1: Funny, I mean, <laughs> that's hilarious. That's. I'll I'll, 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 I'll take that. I'm not yeah. sure how how kind Leo will find that parallel, but I'll certainly, I'll certainly agree with you. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll
0: start to to wrap things up now and just ask, kind of. Uh, what's ahead uh, what you're working on at the moment it's, it's always a tough one uh, with actors because often you can't talk about what mm, you're working mm, on but yeah what's yeah. the future coming
1: no cheers man so I'm I'm kind of on the brink of um, uh, wrapping a, a film called The Little Stranger at the moment yeah. um, which is being directed by um, Lenny Abramson yeah. I'm actually working with Donald Gleeson again first time we worked together was 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 um, Revenant and... Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and, and Ruth Wilson. And Ruth Wilson, um, yeah, completely. Uh, and uh, Charlotte Rampling. Like, it's an amazing cast. And Lenny Abramson's just like... Lenny Abramson's just like one of those human beings that I met and was just so massively struck by how kind of... Um, sort of sensitive and, and and intelligent and just nice he is yeah. and um, yeah I, I'm a fan of Frank I'm a, I'm a fan of Room I'm a fan of what Richard did like I love his work as well so it's kind of just all too perfect that I'm, yeah. I'm working with him and I feel I feel really grateful and then after that kind of continue to sort of promote Detroit as it continues to kind of come out yeah, of um, course. but uh, otherwise I think a, a little bit of a break towards the end of the year that's great. Um, that's, that's always the, good. That's and I, the plan,
0: man. I think one of the most exciting things about this industry is when you realise that there's a never-ending... Like, the the, the, the the project that you are most excited to get, you've not even heard of yet. Because yeah. it's, it's it's a question that gets asked a lot in interviews, is if you could get one role. And the fact is, m- most of the things I've been up for, and I've been up for loads of things and not, not got them, but mm, the excitement oh, of being up for this stuff and going... I didn't even know that existed a year ago. So if you'd asked me a year ago, I would have said, I want to be in a Marvel film, Star Wars, you know, all these predictable things. But then these things come up that you're like, oh my God, I want to be involved in this more than anything. And projects I like you're working on now, it's the thing that a couple of years back, that wouldn't have been on your, this is death, because you wouldn't have known it was happening. And that's an exciting thing, right? To know that whilst you might not know what's around the corner, You've been in the game long enough to have a level of confidence that there's probably something really fucking good around the corner. Yeah, you know? which, is, which is a
1: crazy thought. I yeah. mean, yeah, it's. I think we're very lucky that we're in positions, you know, as far as as far as kind of actors are concerned, yeah. whereby you have a job position that is never ever fully defined or limited, and like, you know, you can be a, a, a nurse in the summer. And then you can be uh, dragon come yeah. fall, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, yeah. you know deep in winter, your uh, U.S. Marine. It's like yeah. crazy that you get yeah. to, of course, not fully fulfil those those people's jobs because you, you you couldn't as an actor, you couldn't amount to what a nurse does or what yeah. Yeah, U.S. Yeah, Marine yeah. does in in, in the full sense. But to just be able to occupy those psychologies just for a moment and continue yeah. to do so for a, a long period of time is, is a true blessing and yes.
0: it's it's a beautiful thing that um I watched a documentary uh, recently called Old Man Crazy to Paint and it's about this amazing um hmm. a, a Japanese artist um and one of the things he speaks in there is it, I, I mean I, I won't go into to crazy detail but at the age of 60 he was one of my successful artists and at the age of six, he decided everything he'd done up until then was crap. And he was just getting the idea of it. And yeah. and that by 70, or no, by 80, he would be a really good. By 90, he would be a master. And by 100, every brushstroke would be perfection. And it, it, it inspired and excited me because there was a comment in the documentary that said that art is an old man's game. Because it's something, it's not like sport where you can get to a peak and then right. deteriorate. It's not and there's a lot of jobs like that and it, it excited me hugely about acting because like, like even like i had one I had a rollers up for last week and I didn't I, I didn't get it and I was really excited about it but the excitement uh, when I didn't get it of the fact that oh man when the next role comes about I'm going to be even better and even more ready yeah, and it's it's man. a it's a, a similar thing with the revenant when that came about you may have felt nervous but you're there now and and, right, and you right, are ready right, and right. how I, I don't know it's just that excitement of the excitement of that then imagine what in 10 years time right, how much right, you're gonna right. improve how much better and it's a beautiful thing in this industry that is I mean it's I again, so, man, it's different nice in many ways for men because there is again it's something that needs to be redressed but yeah, yeah women yeah. in this industry do have more of a time limit it would yeah, seem whereas yeah. but I mean it's an exciting sense. thing on the skill level. It is something that really, the longer you're doing it, the better you should be doing it. So the films yeah. you're making in ten years should, from your perspective at least, be you know, the greatest above all expectation, and I that's that's so. an exciting thought.
1: Yeah, yeah, I hope I hope so.
0: Well, perfect. Well, where can people? Keep up to date with you on social media and Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of thing? Yeah,
1: yeah. So, I'm on I'm on Twitter. I recently just joined Instagram just because, yep. uh, just to kind of get behind Detroit for yep. me. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Twitter for sure. And, um, yeah, I would just say Detroit, if you're listening in the UK, is, is out um, already. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, um, and it's, it's out in the US and um, it'll continue to kind of hopefully be shown throughout the year in... Various different parts of the world. Yeah. Um, uh, Europe is still yet to be released, and um, Australia, I think, it's coming in October. So, yeah,
0: and um, I mean, I mean, I'd add on that that, uh, as I said earlier, the importance of seeing things in the cinema from a looking forward point mm-hmm. of view is one mm-hmm. thing. But even throwing that aside, it's if Detroit in the '60s, so the music is amazing, uh, and dumping yeah. and dumping, so it's yeah. like it makes a difference in the cinema, and then. The other thing, as as I touched upon, the the lightness and fun and party atmosphere, up until a point, mm. was something that surprised me and excited me because yeah. it is the fact that it is during a period of riots, but humans maintain and continue mm. on. Mm. You, like it it, it, it would. Whilst it might come to mind initially, it's not going to be a case of oh, there's riots, everyone's at home sad or in the streets smashing things up. It's like no, right. you have still got a party enjoy yourselves totally be, be light and take it all in your stride coming and not l- let it get on top of you so as heavy as a film it is there's also a lot of light-heartedness in it so yeah 100 i and recommend I th- people catch it
1: thank you man i think that's the reason it's called detroit you know is because you know it it it, it gives credit where credit's due and that is to the people of detroit who yeah. bounce back from you know immeasurable kind of um Obstacles that, that a lot of cities, you know, would have uh, possibly been beaten by, and it's yeah. called Detroit because they maintain their spirit, you know, they maintain their pride, and 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 they really are truly progressing. Um, uh, so that's the reason it's that's the reason it's called that in my
0: eyes. I love it. Um, I'll I'll end on on the quote from my mate who came along to the premiere, and we just watched this amazing film. We've been moved, and it finishes. There's there's been applause in the, the cinema, and he just went over and went. So is that said before or after Robocop? (laughs) There we go. There we go. I'll I'll, I'll let you decide that yourselves, guys. (laughs) Thank you very much for coming and chatting. Thanks so much for having me on, man. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Scooby's Picks Discrushed the Pieces. There we go. That was Will Poulter. What a lovely a, a, a lad, right? Interestingly, we, we didn't get around to talking about it, but where we recorded it is the room at his agent's where he's recorded. He's gone on tape every every time he's auditioned for a role. So when he auditioned and got his place in The Revenant, It was in that room. And when he auditioned for Detroit, it was in that room. And when he auditioned for uh, We Are the Millers, it was in that room. So it was a good spot to go and have a really relaxed conversation. So, yeah. Hope you enjoyed that one. As said, I'll be back next week with Eddie Izzard. Um, And then there's just a a wealth of exciting people to come. Please do come to Dublin, uh, the Dublin Podcast Festival. I'll be there doing distraction pieces. The first time in Ireland, the only time this year, possibly for a year or two, at the Dublin Podcast Festival on September 21st. So come along to that. I'll see you there. Um, And I'll see you next week. Ta-ta.